0: Hey everyone, you're listening to the 107 podcast, where we get together every fortnight and sometimes more often to talk about technology, business, and the humans in it. I'm your host, Ivan Stegich. The show today is another special episode given the extraordinary circumstances we find ourselves in across the whole planet. There isn't a corner of the world that has been spared from the COVID-19 coronavirus. At our regular staff meeting on Monday, I asked our completely distributed team the question, what's 10.7's ventilator? I'd been reading about how Tesla and GM and now Ford are going to be using their idle manufacturing capability to produce the ventilators that are so desperately needed right now. I wanted to challenge ourselves to come up how we as a company could contribute positively to helping out during this global pandemic. What is 107's ventilator project? Well, We had some brainstorming, and we decided that the one thing we do really well, which could be useful to people right now, is working remotely. I mean, we've been doing it for years, and we used to work in the same physical space together for many years before that, too. So we've experienced the whole transition from a physical office space to remote work, and we could potentially talk about that. Maybe there are some things we've learned that others could benefit from. Initially, we thought that having a few short interviews with Some team members would be the way to go. Maybe we'd publish those individual stories as a series of quick podcasts. But the more we talked about it amongst ourselves, the more we realized that interacting with each other in real time would be much better, especially in this forum of the podcast. So that's what we're going to try to do. Let's see how this goes. We've got more people involved than we usually do. So it's not just two of us. There's four of us. Joining me today are Chris Dart, Danny Edelman, and Tess Flynn. Hey, everyone. Hello.
1: Hello. Hey.
0: How's everyone doing today? Let's get an audio thumbs up or down. I'm doing pretty well. I played the fast. Test pleads the fifth. (laughs) Well, we've never recorded anything with this many people, so I have no idea how this is going to go. Feel free to just jump on each other, step on each other, do whatever you feel like. We'll thrive on the chaos that it might cause. I think the first thing we want to do is introduce... Each other or yourselves. So let's go in alphabetical order. Start with Chris. I'd love to hear your full name, your role at 107, not just your title, but what your responsibilities are, and then how long you've been with us. Chris?
2: My name is Chris Dart, and I've been with 107 for a little over a year as a full time employee, a little bit longer as a contractor. And uh, my role at 107 is uh, Mostly back-end software development, some systems operation support, and also uh, client support triage, helping um, support requests, handle support requests and direct them to the right place.
0: Yeah, you're our main support guy, aren't you? Uh, Yeah. Denny?
1: Yeah, I... Am, so, I'm transitioning into a new role currently uh, from customer success manager to director of operations. Woohoo! I have been with 107 for, I'm not sure exactly how long, maybe nine, maybe close to a year.
0: Close to Co- a year, I think. Close,
1: yeah. My responsibilities, so I'm the main point of contact for. Um, most of our clients, um, handling anything related to the operations of the company. So things like billing and budgets and timelines and, you know, keeping everything on track, um, brainstorming, you know, better, more efficient ways to run the company, uh, and various other things as well.
0: As we discover what those are. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> and Tess.
3: And I am Tess Flynn. I am the company's uh, DevOps engineer. I keep all the infrastructure running and do some back-end stuff whenever I'm not doing that.
0: So we have quite a wide variety of uh, responsibilities and people that are part of the discussion today. Tess, you've been with us for almost four years now, I think.
3: Yep, and I have been remoting uh, primarily since before that, since... 2010, 2011, something like that?
0: Yeah, I was the one who convinced you to come into the office after uh, you started working for us for a short while. But I think, much to your um, happiness, we ended up being fully distributed. Um, And so you only had to endure that for a short amount of time. Oh, it certainly meant that he didn't have to go onto the bus at 7 in the morning. (laughs) Uh, So... I was thinking we could talk about really tactical things that someone who is new to being a remote worker could really use to get up and running quickly, to um, learn from mistakes and things that we've learned from over the years. And I wanted to... Try to maybe summarize all those things at the end of the podcast in the form of a blog post. So, kind of really tactical. So, that's kind of what my hope is to get through. So, jump in with any thoughts or um, uh, answers with some of the questions I have here. I think one of the first things I want to talk about is. How do you set yourself up for work at home, especially if you have a, hu- a house or an apartment or your home is maybe not conducive to that? Maybe you have kids running around all the time or you just don't have an office. Um, any thoughts?
1: Yeah, I can speak to that. So I've been working remotely on and off for about five years uh not always in the space that I'm currently in but the space that I am currently in is very small I do not have a separate room I can use as an office space so for me it was really important to have to have some dedicated space that is considered my office space even though I have to kind of share space with another area of my house uh I have this sort of like small area that is my go-to for like during work hours specifically. Um, and then I don't use that. I make an effort not to use that space if I am working on, say, the weekend or some time outside of regular working hours to kind of keep that separation. Um, but I I use that space to, you know, as my as my work setup. So I've got my computer, I've got my notebook, whatever I need. Uh, and then I kind of transition it into, so it's, it's my center island in my kitchen.
0: Oh, is that what it is? I've always wondered about that. <laughs> Cause we only ever see each other from the front, right?
1: Yep. Yeah. So you always see what's behind me. Um, but in front of me is my entire kitchen. So, um, so what happens is like at the end of the day, I, kind of shut everything down and push it aside and turn that into, you know, my eating space. So it's it's a very like strange strange transitional area, but you know, having I think it's really important to have that dedicated space even if it's not a traditional office space or a desk or whatever so that you can, you know, Call that your office during the time that you need it to be your office.
0: Yeah, so the, so the, the, uh, the words that I hear heard from Jeff when we recorded the other podcast and he said to me on a number of occasions is, you kind of work at home, but you live at work as well. And so I think you're, what you're saying is it's so important to have a distinction between where you're working and when you're working and when you're not, not to have like a blurred line uh, between those those two. Chris Ortiz, what's your office setup like?
2: Well, I am fortunate to have enough space to have my own office space um, that's uh, pretty much just where I do my work. I, I do use the space sometimes when I do... Uh, some emails and stuff because uh, it's uh, comfortable. But I, uh, I I have that space. But I also have some rules about starting up my day and that sort of to separate work time from home time so that it feels like there's a transition. And one of them is that I can't start work until I do some kind of exercise. Oh. And so jumping jacks or lunges or... Burpees. You know, nothing, nothing. What
0: was that? Burpees. Burp. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I don't know what those are, but maybe <laughs> you don't want to do burpees. They're so hard. <laughs> oh no, I don't do things that are hard. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no. I just do you know something, something to get myself meso- myself sort of physically uh, relaxed and ready for the day, and um, and I like to, and I think like like Danny said, you know, sometimes I like to just shut things down at the end of the day, make sure that everything's you know sort of. It's off, I don't go into the space except to do work or when I want to do some home but when I find myself using the space to do like projects on the computer after hours, I feel like I ought to be keeping time, you know like I, I feel like I, <laughs> have muscle I, memory have I logged my t- have i yeah right have I let people know that I'm taking a step away from the desk so yeah, but it's pretty uh you know I, I think that if you don't have a space a, a dedicated space like what uh Danny said you know is is sort of having rituals around now is work time and this space is now sort of sanctified as workspace but
1: yeah and I think that can also signal to other people who may be in your house you know that okay I'm at my workstation so like I I need to be left alone to do my work you know if you if a lot of people right now I'm sure are having to work from home in a space that isn't conducive to having an office and they do have you know, partners or children or other people in their house. So, I think that um, that dedicated space, even if it's not an office, um, is is that signal to other people.
0: So, you're saying give people some sort of a physical signal um, that you are working. And one of those things is, even if it's not an office, you're in your space. You're at the table in the kitchen or you're somewhere and that means don't don't disturb me i'm working and perhaps another another physical uh, cue would be headset on i have my headset on that means i'm either on a call or i'm listening to background music or white noise i'm working also leave me alone tess do you have any rituals you do before you start work in the morning
3: uh, not particularly. I've been doing this for so long, it's very easy for me to fall into the the regular nine-to-five habit. Um, I do maintain a dedicated space. I do main, uh, use that every day, and I do use that as a signal to others that I am working. Um, I do occasionally use the same thing for project space outside of work hours, um, but usually that's only when I'm trying to be very focused on on working on that. Otherwise, I tend to stay away from it. All of this conversation, especially now that we're bringing in terms like uh, doing a work ritual, is really all headspace management. And that's really the hard thing that a lot of people who work from home have to get into. Headspace management is the real trick of all of this, because when you go into an office what happens is that you go through a series of certain steps, which which prepare you mentally to be in the work headspace. So you have breakfast, you get in your car, you have to deal with the commute, you have to find a parking spot, you walk to the office, you talk with people, you sit at your desk, and now you're in the, uh, the work headspace. When you work from home, all of that that you do incidentally to get you into that headspace, because you're trying to get to a physical location, now you have to do it without changing your physical location. So now it becomes headspace management. And this is why you have to build all of these other cues in front of you and this is why I'm, I'm really particular like the when I started working from home it was really really tempting to like I'm just going to work in pajamas today and I quickly learned that was a terrible terrible idea because every time I end up working in pajamas I have a terrible day usually something's broke or something something has to be fixed or something has to be done immediately or or Worse things. So I always try to do the same kind of thing. I try to get dressed in the morning, make sure that I have at least street clothes on. They don't have to be like work clothes, but street clothes, you know, to let me know that I'm in that space, even if I know I'm not going to leave the house that day. And then I go to the same location, I set everything up the same way, and then I start working. I mean, I even have things like I use the same kind of bottle to keep my coffee in. And that is also a signal that to myself and to others that I'm in that work mode.
1: I think consistency is key, like Tess was saying, like having that consistent routine, the consistent set of things that you're doing every day to signal that you're in the office is really important, but I think that can be different for everybody. Right. So like for me, I'm totally fine working in PJs because uh, for me, I want to be comfortable. And if I'm not comfortable, like sometimes putting on street clothes for me, uh, makes me want to like go outside. And so that's difficult for me. Um, or I'm not as comfortable. And so I can't like, I can't get in the zone and get focused as well. So I think that, you know, it could be it 's going to vary for everybody of course
3: exactly that 's actually the other the other thing about uh working from home is that How you experience it and get yourself into the mode to be productive is highly personal, which leads me to the other main point about working from home is you end up having to get to know yourself a lot better in order to work from home more effectively. You need to know what your patterns are, what you like, what helps you focus, how you get out of being stuck from a particular uh, set of circumstances, like if you can't concentrate or you can't get out of work. Work mode at the end of the day, or things like that.
0: Yeah, I I find it really important to um, spend the time in the morning and do the uh, do approximately the same thing every morning. Get dressed, um, get myself ready, uh, spend some time with my wife, watch a little bit of news, watch whatever is happening in the world, drink some coffee. And then make my way to the office, which for me is upstairs in the attic, and on my way up to uh, close the door behind me and to have this office in... um, in the attic to myself and that's my signal to everyone that I'm not available is the door's closed to the attic dad must be working that's just what I do and it's so important to know that there are so many different things that you should be doing but you you should have some sort of a ritual to get you in that headspace that you're going to be working it's easy for me to talk about not having distractions up here when I'm in the office when I'm working what do you guys do for distractions?
2: I um, I found that you know before when I worked at an office, and I worked at a school, that uh, you know the sound of children talking outside my office because I was in a in the educational area of the school, and you know hearing people talk and getting interrupted was a thing that I tried to to, like. I couldn't listen to podcasts, I couldn't listen to music, I couldn't listen to anything because uh, with that noise, you know, it was just too distracting. But now that I work. Uh, from home and it gets pretty quiet and there's nobody around, I find that it actually helps me to have a little talking. Even if I'm not listening to it, I'll just have some podcasts on that aren't really, you know, aren't really ex- exciting topics or anything, but just talking in the background actually helps me concentrate more. But otherwise uh, I tend to like close the door and I, um, I don't, I don't do personal stuff. I, I, I've always avoided that at work. Like, you know, I don't go to Facebook and, stuff, um, uh, during work hours, um, unless I d- take a break because otherwise, <laughs> you know, it could be an hour before I get back or something, you know, but I think that's probably true at an office too. It's like, you know, just uh, it, this is, right. this is the space I'm dedicating to working and I don't want to be sidetracked yeah, when we
0: were in the office space, um, downtown Minneapolis, um, well, it was totally open office and distractions were aplenty. And I think after we transitioned to being uh, completely distributed, I I noticed that my productivity went up as opposed to down, which is what um, kind of the natural thing to think is. Uh, Danny, what do you do about distractions in your environment?
1: So I totally agree with you. I am way more productive working from home now that I'm used to it and kind of like in a groove with it. I think when I was in an office, you know, people would come in constantly and ask you questions or talk to you like you didn't have all these, you you didn't used to have all these tools like Slack or, um, you know, other things that you might use to communicate with each other from afar. And so I found that, I was way more distracted and interrupted in an office. Um, Now, you know, I am sometimes distracted by like things that I feel like I should be doing because I'm home. Like, you know, you're now you're thinking about things like, oh, I have to do laundry or I have to do the dishes or. But sometimes, you know getting up for a second to like rinse out my coffee mug or to grab something to eat. Like those are all things that are really just mimicking what you did when you were in an office. Mm -hmm. It's not really any different. You're just in a, in a different environment. So, um, sometimes that's helpful. Sometimes I'll feel like, oh, I can't focus. And then I just need to get up for a minute to go wash a dish. And then when I sit back down again, I can, you know, get back into my work headspace. So I don't, I, I am, agree with you. I think, like, once you kind of learn how you work best in this new environment in your home, um, you might find that you are a lot more productive than you used to be.
2: One thing I think I really enjoy about it, and I would hope that people who are starting this, is that um, uh, commute it was such a stressful experience. I mean even if I only had to go ten miles or five miles, just the bumper to bumper traffic and you know, just that that really it put me can put me in a real foul mood when at the time I got to work or, or, you know, I just you know, put me in a bad mood getting home and not having that has really helped, I think, uh reduce the stress level in my life and I'm hoping in a, you know, that one of the silver linings in this whole Uh, um, isolation thing is that maybe more people will end up working from home as a norm and uh and that uh, you know the the pleasure of not having to commute will improve the quality of life in general
0: i agree i agree i think there is a number of silver lines that the pandemic is going to surface for us and um I hopefully we'll all still be around to see them. I'm sure we will. <laughs> um, Tess, once you told me that one of the most important things for you was to make sure you had a good chair. And uh, further to that, like if you're maybe standing that you have some sort of um, uh, mat or yoga cushion or something that you can stand off for ex- for extended periods of time. Right. Any additional thoughts to that? And uh, maybe we could talk about some of the like, essential tools that you have in your office that you're using.
3: So one thing
0: that I am finding,
3: um, because I am certainly getting, getting up there in years apparently now, is that ergonomics are incredibly important. And when you work from home, it's tempting to just throw together whatever you got. Um, sometimes that's all you really do have available to you. but. The problem is that that is going to cause a lot of problems over time, particularly repetitive stress injuries. And I have been working with computers since I was five, I have been in the tech industry since 2004, I have been around. And the thing with all of that is that it wears on you to use badly ergonomic devices and badly ergonomic desk situations. Most people think that a good chair is something that costs, oh, this costs $200 at office max. It's like, no, dude, you're like an order of magnitude probably too low there. You need to get a little bit up there to get a really good, decent office chair. And after that, you need to worry about the rest of it. Now, for me, I have, I think it's a... Harmon Miller Mira chair because that's what we had in the off- uh, at the old Ten Seven office, and then we just repurposed all of those at home. I have a Veradesk thirty-six convertible standing desk. It just goes on top of a table, and if I need to sit down, I can sit down. If I need to stand up, I actually stand up. Um, I have a rather weird standing mat too. I'm trying to find a brand name. It's called an Ergo Driven. And what's weird about this is that it is not a flat anti-fatigue mat. You can get flat anti-fatigue mats fairly easily for probably $25 US at the time of this recording. However, I have found that a lot of those don't really work for me. Um, because what I end up doing is I tend to lock myself in place, which means that now my entire lower body when I'm standing is just locked in a single position. And I found that actually doesn't help. I actually That actually uh, keep, contributes to more muscle knots, more storing of tension. And that means that any recovery period after work takes longer. So... This particular anti-fatigue mat that I have is actually contoured and it only has a very small still standing spot, just barely big enough for your feet. But it has raised sides so that if I want to, I can shuffle around and I can keep my body engaged and I can keep moving. And this is useful for uh for me personally, you know, shuffling while I'm thinking is actually very useful. And it can actually keep me standing longer because I'm not locked into a single position. Uh, Another thing that I have that's another ergonomic device um, are, of course, input devices. So mice, spend money on a good mouse. Um, the one I currently have is a Logitech uh, MX Master 2. Um, they are fairly ergonomic. They do sell a left-handed version if you can order it directly from them. Uh, I also have a very unusual keyboard. <laughs> I have a, uh, a DIY keyboard based on the uh, Helix uh, PCB that I got from GitHub. It is a ortho, an ortho-linear uh, 60% size keyboard that is split. So now my fingers only have to go up and down. They don't have to go left to right at all like I would at a standard staggered keyboard. And because it's split, uh, and this is something that it goes back to the you have to know yourself, is that my most comfortable typing pattern is with my forearms resting on the table. Not everyone is like that, but for me, that's absolutely essential for long-term typing. So by having a split keyboard, I can keep my forearms rested on the table surface, and then I can actually position the keyboard so that my wrists aren't bent left to right. And this reduces a lot of fatigue for me. Getting this keyboard, building this keyboard, as a matter of fact, I built it myself, um, was just a revolution in, in typing for me because now my wrists aren't in agony at the end of every individual day.
0: So you have a good chair, a Herman Miller chair, you have a, a... A nice mat that you can stand on so that your lower, bo- lower half of your body doesn't lock. Um, you have a good mouse and an ergonomic keyboard and a standing desk that you can um, move up and down. Chris and Danny, do you guys have any um, equipment, any furniture, anything that you're using right now that you absolutely love that you could recommend?
2: I uh, I got a standing desk from Amazon. I don't know the brand, but it was just the frame, the mechanical part, and then I built a top for it so that I could uh um so that you know it just could make it as big as I wanted to, but that's pretty nice. It's electronic, although you can get ones for relatively low cost that are mechanical with a crank. Um uh using it to remember to use it sometimes I don't when I'm when I'm really focused on Coding. I I need to sit down. I can't seem to do that standing up. But um, the the other thing I have is um, a, a sort of vertical mouse. It's it's an anchor. I'm trying to see the name here. A seven eight five one, and it's a uh, they you know it's a right. I'm right-handed, so it's it's really easy. I'm sure you can get a left-handed one similar to the one that Tess has. But it's it's a uh, it's nice. It's comfortable. My hands are more vertical. And that's really important to me and i i I have a hard time buying chairs. I ended up with a chair that's relatively comfortable, but I think um you know i i haven't i didn't go out of my way to find a really expensive one um you know like a higher quality one, but that would probably be the next thing on my list
0: well, yeah, when that tech stipend kicks in uh for you again, Chris, that's maybe something you can use it for definitely. I actually really do
3: want to highlight the whole tech stipend we have at Ten Seven because I think that a lot of companies that are now considering going fully distributed really should look into that idea.
0: Oh, that's that's a good point. So um, we're talking about these things as if you know. We can just go to the store and buy them and money will uh, appear magically. Um, But I guess the reality is um, there are a lot of people that are working from home now for the first time with employers that have never had to think about, oh, what do we do if we have employees at home and how are we going to support them in attaining the necessary furniture or the necessary technology equipment? And so what, Tess, you've mentioned is the text type end that 10.7 has. So what we do as a company, uh, we provide $1,500 every year to every employee so that they can take care of whatever technology needs they have at home, whether they are paying for Internet access or buying a new chair or buying a computer every three, four, two years, whatever they want. Um, it was our way of saying, okay, we're providing these tools and necessary equipment at the office when you're in the space with us, why wouldn't we provide that same benefit to you when you're at home? And so it would behoove employees that um, that. Are at home for the first time to talk to their employees about about to their employers about how their employers could support them and I think that from an employer's standpoint this is this also has a lot to do about trusting employees, trusting them that they are going to spend the dollars in the right in the way that benefits them the most um, it gives them some sort of accountability as well and at the end of the day it allows those employees to uh, you know set themselves up for success um and unfortunately for chris and danny you guys are gonna have to wait a little longer for your text stipends to kick in because you did have that those big purchases of computers but pretty soon you'll be able to get that chair chris and and danny i don't know what you're going to be getting as a result <laughs>
1: I don't have, so I'm not coding like Chris and Tess are. So I have a bit of a different uh, like working pattern in terms of how I'm using my hands and everything. Um, I don't have any specific equipment that I could speak to or recommend, but I what I do have and what is imperative is um, a daily yoga practice, which I like to think counteracts all the computer work i'm doing every day so tell us about that at the pretty much at the end of every day i um do some sort of yoga practice and i do a lot of work on my arms and wrists Um, there are a lot of different exercises you can do to sort of counteract the the repetitive stress and the like hunching over so the two best things are Arm and wrist stretches, and then um, back bends, actually, to counteract the like hunching over all day. There are tons of different things you can do, and um, and I that is like the the number one thing that helps me with any sort of like pain or discomfort from sitting at a computer all day.
0: No, I think you're good. You were telling us about what tools you absolutely love. And, and I think that yoga practice is a definitely a tool. I wish I was using it more myself.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think it's really important, especially if you're not able to get, you know, all the equipment you need, or if you are having any discomfort, um, if I go two days without that practice, I feel it immediately. And I know that I need to, get it in somehow. So if you are able to do that, especially like now there are tons of online yoga resources, all studios have, you know, classes online now, it's pretty easy to find um, just some kind of basic practice.
0: Which one do you use? Do you use your local uh, yoga studio? Or do you have some online resources that that you can recommend? And maybe we'll put those in the show notes?
1: Yeah, I do use my online uh, or my local studio. Um, But that one, uh, she's actually local to Austin, where I live. But she uh, is like world famous YouTube yoga instructor. Um, It's called Yoga with Adrian. Um, she's amazing, and she has a lot of videos where she really breaks things down. So for people who have never practiced yoga before, she's really great at explaining and breaking down poses for you. And she has a ton of videos on YouTube for free. So that is definitely something I would recommend. And then some of my local studios, there's a studio called Practice Yoga, and they're just putting free videos on fa- on their Facebook page um, so tons of studios are doing things like that are making it really, really affordable to have a membership like one studio is doing something for $2 a month, you can have a uh, unlimited access to online videos. So it's very, very accessible right now.
0: That That's awesome. We'll put all those links in the show notes. Um, Yoga with Adrian. I love it. I love it. So I wanted to just mention the one thing I absolutely love from the tool set that I have at home. Um, and that, those are my headphones. I uh, you know There's a lot of talk about which headphones to get. And usually the recommendation is Get some good ones Um, And then the additional recommendation is Get some good ones with a boom mic That extends from the headset to your mouth So that it's directional So that um, you don't get all of the uh, Kind of noise that's in the room itself Um, I actually have a pair of Bose Quite Comfort 2s They are so comfortable They are... Just incredible from a noise-canceling um, perspective. I I honestly don't hear anything that's going on in the house. And then I have a, a $50 stand and uh, supposedly professional podcast mic that I got on Amazon that I absolutely love um, and I think sounds pretty good. And those two work out really well for me. Um, The thing I like about the headphones is the ability for it to be connected to more than one device at the same time. Sometimes it's a pain, like when you're recording a podcast and someone calls you on your phone. But most times it's really useful. We've talked a lot about tools and getting set up and going to work and um, I kind of want to Talk about actually being in work and doing the work, are there any things that you do when you're stuck um, on some sort of work that you're looking at uh, something that you're that just isn't working out that you that you can't seem to crack uh, what do you do when you have those things? any any strategies that we could talk about um, or maybe when you're not able to focus at home?
2: One of the things uh I do when i 'm stuck with a uh, sort of a logic problem in coding that i can't really switch to another task like another coding project it usually doesn't help to help me to do that so sometimes i I have to sort of just walk around aimlessly up and down <laughs> the stairs around the house, maybe go outside just just for like you know five ten minutes because I think usually my mind has gotten i get into a rut and i can't let go of. a a way of thinking about the problem and then by just sort of like going into neutral and not actively thinking about anything but just sort of wandering it it usually clears up and then i can come back to it which is probably true i mean even if i worked you know at at an office I, I, i you know i used to do that at the school when i was trying to solve a problem with some projects that i worked on internal programming projects that i did for them and and um And then you know sometimes it helps just to switch projects, but um, getting up and walking around is a good idea no matter what. I think you know it's easy when there aren't distractions like people coming by to ask you how your weekend was or whatever. You know that that you you know I find myself I I could I could forget to eat lunch and be at the desk for six hours straight and and then just get up and feel just terrible. (laughs) So it's really important to get up and move around, and I think. Thinking is better when you've had some physical activity as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Get, just getting up and walking around can either clear your head or bring new ideas into your head. Um, just stepping away and, you know, not even trying to think about the thing you were working on, but just like even forgetting about it. Sometimes, you know, you'll just, ideas will come to you. One other thing I think Ten Seven does really well is like reaching out to each other for help when we're stuck with things I think like we're like getting another perspective can be really helpful um and ten seven does that better than almost anyone I've ever seen <laughs> like we're not afraid to reach out to each other for help when we need it which I think is a really great quality
3: So I definitely have a lot of the same techniques that Chris does. Usually uh, I do household chores, um, small, short ones, like start a load of laundry, wash a few dishes, like Danny has mentioned. Uh, Sometimes those work. Um, One extreme one that I have that I didn't think would work, but actually has come in to be really handy in my tool belt is sometimes you have this task in front of you that you can't put down, you have to actually finish it today. So you have to work through it. But for whatever reason, your brain just doesn't want to engage. You can't focus, you can't get yourself awake enough to actually work on it. The coffee doesn't do anything for you. So I came up with the weirdest strategy that I could that only really works when you're working from home. And only when you have a lot of trust in your workplace. And I call it adrenaline leveraging. Mm. And how this works at least for me, is I'm very, I noticed for a long time, I'm very capable of concentrating on something else and having some piece of media on, provided that media is very familiar to me. So like a movie like a Star Trek movie or Star Wars, or I don't know, the Hellraiser films, Event Horizon, weird things like that. Um, these films have points in them that I enjoy, that I can, that make me excited, that make me more interested and provo- promote a sense of focus. And what I can do is, since I'm so familiar with these films already, I'm not really paying attention to them, but I'm paying just a slice of CPU time, enough attention to them to get me into that mode where I'm getting excited that I'm looking forward to the next bit. And that makes me more focused. And then I leverage that adrenaline And put it into work. I don't have to do this very often, once, maybe every three months, probably. But it becomes really handy when you get into that situation where you just can't not put down a task and do something else. You have to keep going on it.
0: Yeah, I find that standing up and going downstairs to get a snack or to play with my dog or to walk the dog really puts a different perspective on things. And maybe when I'm t- walking the dog, I come up with whatever solution I was trying to find. And then when I get up, back up to the office, to my to my desk, it just pours out. I have never been the kind that um, has to spend time in, uh, you know, outside of the house working as well. But there are people who, who do. There are people that have routines where you spend time in the morning and you work from home and in the afternoon, if you go out to a coffee shop. Uh, of course, unless you're in the middle of a pandemic, that's not possible. But I think location shifting makes a difference in solving problems as well. I do want to kind of wrap things up here. I, I think we've had a, a wonderful discussion amongst ourselves. Is there anything that you would like someone who is just starting um, to work from home to know or to remember from like the things that you've learned over the last few years in your journey to working from home full-time
2: one of the things I, i've been telling people my you know friends who are now working from home to help them is you know talking with your team uh, your work team to get onto some kind of platform like slack or microsoft teams uh, whatever your infrastructure allows um and making it uh require it has to be a requirement you have to work with your you know the organizationally. you have to get people to be on board with that but there needs to be a way to have an organized conversation you know google hangouts is not sufficient because you can't qu- categorize your conversations by project or client or topic and um and that's really important as um it you know with without that i i think it would be very difficult to do the work because you need to be able to communicate people in a way that's quick that doesn't uh that isn't um doesn't give itself to long communication long like email you tend to i tend to be a little too verbose uh, well, I tend to be verbose generally, but you know, in email Partly. and and then and then uh, you know, but in Slack, it's much easier. Quick messages get in contact with people, and I think that um, I think that that's that's really important. And uh, you know, uh, it's just getting people on board with it and uh, making sure they've got it open on their computers at all times. And that's really, uh, I think that's it's essential.
0: We would not have been able to have done this um you know conversion from located into virtual without slack like that was i think that was one of the main things for us that was absolutely essential so slack microsoft teams uh, mattermost whatever your stack is at the office or whatever your platform is talk to your employers and and get some sort of real-time messaging in place.
1: Yeah, and to Chris's point, uh, having that – the team needs to be unified on what what those things are that that you do, how you communicate – 10-7 Ten seven does something that I really like that I didn't always, that I thought was going to be annoying, but is not. What is it? Um, what is it? Which is the attendance channel oh, in Slack. Oh. <laughs> it seemed like, oh, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to like remember to post in there every time I, ch- you know, change course or go somewhere or do something else. Um, but I think it's really, really helpful in like knowing where people are at. So the attendance for context, um, we post in the attendance channel when we're, for example, stepping away from our computer or when we're back at our computer so that or when we're out for the day, so that the the team knows um, you know, if they're waiting to hear from us on something, they can check the attendance channel and see, "Oh, that person stepped away for a little bit," or, um, "Oh, it's the end of the day, and I have to ask somebody something, but oh, it looks like they're out for the day." Um, I personally think that has been really valuable.
0: I really love the attendance channel as well and people ask me why we have it because why don't we just use the the uh, the indicator the red the kind of the circle with the green and empty to to note where you know if we're there or not and I kind of explain that well we have five separate states that we just use all the time everybody knows what they mean um and you can be at your desk and green but you cannot be at your desk and a, a circle as well you're still working you're still in the office um you know you're there and like it is nice to know like if someone stepped away or if someone's out for the day you can just check the attendance channel so i agree with you I, i'm glad you talked about like you thought it might be annoying and it actually isn't. So maybe that's something that other people can help, uh, to test. Um, any thoughts before we close? I think the most important thing that I
3: have learned throughout my many, many years doing remote work, is you really need to have a post-work ritual. Just like how you uh, get in your car at the end of your workday, drive all the way home, then you, know, then you either change into like more comfortable clothes, or you make dinner, or you take a shower, or something. It's good, a good idea to have that, that banishing ritual necessary for you to get out of the work headspace. Otherwise, you'll keep doing it. Especially a lot of tech workers, when they get into something, it's going to be very difficult for them to pull themselves out. So it's very important to have that ritual. Um, Mine, for example, on most days is I usually exercise right after work. Mm. I can't work out in the morning. It just never works for me. Uh, I could work out late at night, but it trashes my ability to do anything else. I found that if I work right after work, I have to go through I. Change my outfit to my gym outfit. I set up my bike. I set up my pneumatic trainer so I can use my bike indoors. And then I just go at it watching whatever. Right now, I'm somewhere around episode 600 of the original Dark Shadows series. I have no idea what what that is. (laughs) Other people will know. I blame PBS. Okay. But afterwards, then it's you know time to make dinner, and by the time I'm done with all of that stuff, I'm thoroughly out of the work headspace, yeah. and I don't have a problem uh, feeling like I need to get back into it uh, or that I need to pick a problem back up. It's only under rare, exceptional circumstances where something just really gets under my skin um, that I ha- that I feel the need to go back to it. But that doesn't happen very often.
0: Or if there's a server that goes down, that that kind of does oh, that yes, to you as that. well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah my I, that's that's a really good piece of advice to have a, a ritual after you're done just like you're going to work you should be coming home to. it sounds like danny does yoga you have your ritual um and I, I find that it's sufficient for me to be walking down the stairs and kind of just really uh leaving the the computer upstairs um that that's kind of my thing is i leave my laptop and i leave my desktop upstairs and that means that i'm done for the day i can walk down and i can see the dog and take the dog for a walk see the kids oh yeah kids are there we're good it's done yeah um very good advice guys it's been awesome talking to you i can't believe it's it's already the end of the show here it's like we're a little longer than usual but that's totally fine it's been a blast Definitely. It's been good talk.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having
0: us. Yeah. Thanks for being on. Thanks for being on. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Danny. Thank you, Tess, for joining me today. It's been awesome. You've been listening to a special episode of the 107 Podcast. Find us online at 107.com slash podcast. And if you have a second, do send us a message. We love hearing from you. Our email address is podcast at 107.com. Until next time, please stay at home and wash your hands. This is Ivan Stegich. Thank you for listening.